theyeshiva.net. Good morning, everybody. Margun Agatiyar, Afrelech and Purim, to one and all. So, Haman made a tree. His advisors told him, Yasu Eitz Gavaya Chamishim Amma, right? Let's make a tree with the height of 50 Amas to serve as gallows to hang, execute and hang Mordechai on it. And the obvious question, of course, that plot gets reversed and ultimately the tree is used for Haman himself as the Megillah tells the story. The question is, why 50 Amas? Why 50 Amas? is close to a hundred feet. You need you need a, you need it you need such tall gallows, a hundred feet. Chamishamama, fifty amas is seventy-five feet. Some say close to a hundred feet. An ama an ama is around a foot and a half or two feet. There's arguments exactly, but uh, it's it's a nice uh, it's, it's at least a foot and a half. So you're dealing with seventy five feet, a hundred feet, what do you need such a tree for? What's this concept? Make an eitz and hang Mordechai on it. It turns out, as the Gemara says in Masech Megillah, we learned that they hung Haman and they hung later. The ten sons of Haman. But when Haman is making it, it's just for Mordechai. What's this Chamishamama? Based on everything we learned in the Maimer till now, it becomes clear why Haman wanted this tree. So let's see in the next paragraph. If you didn't if you open your source sheets, please open your source sheets. He says, Ubazayuvan. It's uh, we're in the middle of Perik Dalit, the second paragraph on this page, Resh, Resh Tzadik, Resh Tzadik Vav. In your source sheets, the second paragraph on Resh Tzadik Vav. Ubazayuvan. Ubazayuvan ech iker hanez. Based on everything that Samach Tzedek discussed earlier, in this Maimer of Chayev and Nishlub Sama we can understand why? The Maharil says, we go back to the question at the beginning of the Maimah, that the primary miracle was that the king could not sleep. And he asked in the beginning of the Maimah, that was not the primary miracle. The primary miracle was that Esther spoke to Chachashverish about the fate of her people, and he agreed to kill Haman and annul the decree. Or at least, give the, not a, he didn't annul the decree, but he gave Jews the right for self-defense. That's the miracle. It's nice that he couldn't sleep and he rewarded Mardachai and Mardachai was taken around Shushan. It's, it's a very nice uh, you know, addition to the story, no question. But that was not... Uh, yeah. Nonetheless, we say that the Maharil writes, the Minimus Minhagim, that when you come to Balailahu, chapter 6, the Balkaira, the one who reads the Megillah, raises his voice. Why? So he says, because that's the Ikir Hanes, the primary miracle. So the Tzamech says, now we understand that it's all about waking up. 
And that's what the Yalkut says. Not only Achashverosh woke up, it's that the king of the world woke up. It's all about waking up. It's all about being conscious, being alert. Balayla, another Dashnas HaMelech, is allegorical of a cosmic change from a state of sleep into a state of consciousness. You know, we can all be awake, but we're still asleep. Asleep means that I'm not in touch with who I am. Asleep means I'm not alert. I'm operating on a very external level. I once saw an answer. There was a, there was a Jew. His, his name was Reb Zalman Gerari. He was a Chabad Chassid, a wealthy, affluent Jew. He passed away a number of years ago. Reb Zalman Gerari. Reb Zalman Gerari. So I saw an answer. The Labavitch Rebbe wrote to him about uh, various people who come to his Fabrengans. Chabad Chassidim who come to his Fabrengans on Shabbos. The Rebbe would Fabreng on Shabbos very often, and they were long. They were many, quite a few hours. And you know, it's not what a lot of people are used to. Shabbos afternoon, you eat shalant, you take a nap. <laughs> but the Rebbe would Fabreng sometimes all day. There was no uh, no naps. I grew up, there's no such a concept of a nap on Shabbos. It was unheard of. Lubavitcher Rebbe didn't sleep himself, nor did he let anybody else sleep. So, uh, <laughs> so this Reb Zalman Gerari, he once received a letter from the Rebbe. You like that, huh? It's true. It's actually true. The Chiddush is that it's still happening now. He's <laughs> till today. <laughs> a, per, a, a, nisham, a person's influence is so profound sometimes. Till today, it doesn't let people sleep. So, one second. Rebensiyin, Rebensiyin. Aminut, Aminut. So he writes this note to Reb Zalman He says, a lot of people come to Fabrengans, they think they're doing me a favor. They're not interested in being there. He said, uh, he said some people actually sleep. He says, most of them, some of them, some of them sleep with closed eyes. Most of them sleep with open eyes. In other words, you could be somewhere, you can have open eyes, but I'm asleep. I'm asleep because I'm not operating with my full self, with my full consciousness. I'm not fully present. I say in Yiddish, right? What are you sleeping? It comes from Jonah. Jonah went to sleep when the the waters were tumultuous, and they said, "Yoyna malach nirdam vashlavstu, vashlavstu." The Panovitcher Rav Rav Kahnman was a great man. They, he was a survivor. He built Bnei Brak, many of the institutions. So somebody once told him, "The Cholims, you're dreaming." He had grand dreams. He says, "Ms, but I'm awake." <laughs> I'm not dreaming in my sleep. I'm dreaming when I'm awake. You have to have dreams when you're awake, not only when you're asleep. So you have to be also awake when you're awake. You have to be awake when you're awake. What happens when a person is asleep? As the Maimer explained at length, their full energy is not being expressed. It's not being manifested. It's a time of rejuvenation. It's a time when we retreat. We go into hibernation. That's what hibernation is. In order to be able to have kayach, to have strength, to be able to renew ourselves but when sleep becomes substituted for being awake, in other words, that becomes the status quo of a person, then that's sad. Because your, your, your full energy is not being manifested. Nor can one see 
the difference of the hierarchy of faculties, the leadership of the brain, nor can one recognize paradox and be able to say, this is true, this is not true. And all of this is a metaphor for what happens in Gullus. This all happens in Gullus, in exile. And therefore, when the king is not sleeping, so he says, in his words, the Ur comes into the Kalim. The light of the divine is manifested in the vessels. And then automatically, it's obvious that Yisrael, our Lirosh, Yisrael means my head, like the, we explained in the beginning of the Maimer, that the Jewish people are meant to be the brain of the cosmos. What do we mean the brain of the cosmos? Not just to win many Nobel Prizes, even though that's very nice. The brain of the cosmos means to be able to serve as a source of clarity and inspiration and love and, 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 and awareness, awareness to the entire planet and to the entire world. Um, could you just explain what you mean when you say that when a person's awake but asleep, they can't be, you said, not, they can't deal with paradox. Is that because um, the, 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 because their consciousness is restricted, they have to box reality in a certain way? Is that what you mean by that? What, what I meant, you ask what I mean by the paradox, I meant that in dreams we can entertain things that are opposite in a very comfortable way. I could be in New York and I could be in Australia, I could be in Manchester and I could be in Moscow at the same time. That's what dreams, that's how dreams work. Suddenly you wake up, I'm not in Australia. And the, and, and the reason is because our brain is more discerning, it's, it's, it's active and it says one second. I'm not in Australia, but in a dream it's more nebulous. I'm really for a relationship with Hashem. You need to be able to be able to have that individual identity and also connect to the infinity at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Comes out. Comes the Maya man says, "Vezel shiratzal haman lasses eitz gavoya chamishemama litlus asmardecha." So that's why Haman wants a tree with the height of fifty amas. The lechayda termo lamatzare chamishemama dafke b'mida. Why fifty amas? The Gemara says in Maseches Rosh Hashanah that there are 50 portals of understanding. And the 50th portal, even Moshe did not grasp. It says all the 49 were given to Moshe besides the 50th. On this, there's a pasuk in Eiv in Job 28. There's a path that even Ayat, Ayat, a certain very efficient, knowledgeable bird, also is unaware of. The sieve, the sieve is the path. Layade Ayat, that even the Ayat, the bird, also doesn't know. We have the Sefer Yitzira speaks about the fact that there's Lamed Beis in the Siva is Chachma. There's there's fifty portals to Bina and there's thirty two pathways to Chachma, but there's that pathway. That is, that is beyond awareness. That's the interesting thing that by the car by the Sfiris Aimer, we count only forty nine days. We don't count fifty. The Torah says count fifty days. But the sages say it says somewhere else seven weeks. So how do we reconcile that? We count 49 days. And then there's the 50th day, which is Shavuos. So why does the Torah say to count 50 days? 
And then the sages have to come and say, no, it doesn't mean to count 50, it means to count up to 50. But the Torah says, Tispiru chamishim yayim. Says that Samach Tzedek, we count 49. Each day we work on ourselves, we open ourselves up more to the light of infinity in us. The 50th must be revealed as a gift, because it's that which is beyond the human being's ability to trigger and arouse. It's beyond Isarusa de Lasata, the arousal from below. Based on what we explained above, Haman was already, Haman was a deep man. We explained earlier, we did this in the previous year, that the nurture for Klippa, which is unholiness, to be able to receive the nurture, they want to rise like an eagle. The Pasuk says in Tagbi Kanesh. They want to receive their light from a place that is above the structures that facilitate the divine energy, which is called Mamale. They want to go to Sevev Makif because over there they can get a lot of nurture. Like he gave an example of a barrel overflowing and the wine pours in all directions, doesn't discriminate. When you put in a, a faucet, you channel the water, you harness it, you direct it, it's filtered. You know the concept of laser technology? What does laser technology do? Everything emits light, everything exudes light, but the light goes everywhere, so its energy gets mitigated. What does laser technology do? You're familiar with laser? What it does is, it, it contracts, it limits the light to be able to go in one direction, and therefore it's with precision. The light is shooting out with precision and therefore its impact, its momentum, its intensity is more powerful because by limiting it to go in one direction, you can harness all the momentum, all the power that's embedded in it and utilize it to the point that today they perform surgeries through laser technology, right? They can literally go into the body and it's it's beautiful because there's no no cutting, there's no... uh, there's no physical cutting. You can cut you can cut diamonds. So laser technology is very powerful. Why? Because you're limiting the light and therefore it's not being squandered. They want to get the light. They can have access to the light that is above structure. So then Klippa could get a lot of chiyos. So Haman says, I don't only want to make they don't only want to make a tree of fifty amas physically. Haman wants to rise up to that level of fifty amas. 50 Shari Bin, over there he can rule over Mordechai. At the end, what happens? The king is not asleep because the king wakes up. This very tree becomes the source of his defeat. Because once the king wakes up, everything changes. The world is not in hibernation anymore. Once there is the Gilu Hamoichen. Once we're awake and there's the revelation and the manifestation of awareness in a very profound way, like the person who's awake, the consciousness is not reduced, but it's revealed. So the divine energy is revealed in the universe and it becomes clear what's on top, what's on bottom, what's important, what's not important, what's real, what's not real. 
So then that very tree becomes the source for the defeat of evil. And then even the 50th tree is revealed to Yisrael, which means it's revealed to those forces, those realities in the world that want to uphold the story of unity and love. We count seven weeks, which every single week is, every week and every day of Spirit Saimer. As the Eitz Chaim says, is a time of introducing more consciousness, more awareness into our emotions. So then the 50th portal, the 50th gate, which is revealed on Shavuos, comes out in the right way, like we say, the opening of the Ten Commandments, which we also read on Shavuos, is, I am Hashem Alekecha. So that the energy is directed to Alekecha, it's directed to those who are upholding the story of oneness and love, not those who want to use their power to destroy and hate, like Haman, Amalek, etc. What happens when the king wakes up, when the king is suffering from insomnia? What's the next scene? The king instructs, this is the opening of chapter 6 of the book of Esther. The king says, bring the Sefer as a The reason why people drink wine is because they gave wine. Yeah. Yeah, very good, very good. To bring the Sefer as a the book of memories, let's go down memory lane. Divrei Hayamim, the book that records the chronology, the history of everything that happened in the palace. And what happens? And they find that it's written, they find that it's written that two people, Bixen and Seresh, who were part of the security team of the Hashverish, plotted his assassination. And Mardachai reported to Esther, and Esther reported to the king, and the king's life was saved. That's what happens when the king wakes up. He asks them to bring Sefer Hazichroinus, the journal, the diary that has all the memories, Divrei Hayamim, the words of the days, which means the stories of all the days. So now the Tzamech Tzedek explains what this means. He gives an incredible interpretation. When the Melech, the Yalkut Shemayni says, who's the Melech, Malka Shalel, the king of the world, wakes up? Pirush, Shenishpal v'nimshach ha'ariv v'neslabesh b'kelem. What happens when the king wakes up is that the infinite light is channeled and lowered and humbles itself and channels itself through vessels. And that's the source of creation of time. That's why it's called the stories of the days. The Ein Soif itself, infinity, transcends matter, transcends space, but also transcends time. Time is also a creation. Before the world existed, there was no before the world existed. Because it was before, there was a concept of before. Because time itself, Zman itself, is a Nivra. Today we know, Einstein helped us understand this at least somewhat, that time is actually a dimension of matter. And that's why time is relative. 
And in ultimate reality, you completely transcend time. So based on what he explained before, that generally there is the concept of the Ein Sov, the way it's channeled in Kalim. And that's where there's a structure. That's called Yosher. But there's also something called Igulim, or Sov of Kalalman, which is the infinite light that transcends structure. During sleep, the light goes back to the source, just like when a person is asleep, the faculties are not manifested through the limbs of the body, I'm just sleeping. The faculties go back, they ascend back to their pristine, transcendent, and therefore they're not manifested in the world. And because... the well, we'll, we'll get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. And because, and because there is no tzimtzumim, there's no filters, so therefore Sitra Achara wants to receive the energy from there because it's a place that is beyond hishtalshalus, beyond structure. When it comes to structure, then it's precise, it's directed, it's purpose-driven that there should be a yiridit tzayrech As we explained earlier, says the Tzamach when the king wakes up, he introduces divrei hayamim, meaning the ur comes into kalim, and over there there's man. Hashem himself is beyond time. The Gemara says, I think it's Yevamis, is there old age by God? The whole concept of time doesn't apply to him. And because it doesn't apply to him, so there's no such a thing as getting old. Here we have that the king says, no, bring in the Zechreinus, the Divrei Hayamim. Val Zenemar, we say in the morning in Davening, Hamisnase mi Mois Oilam. In the beginning of Hameir La'aretz, right? The first blessing before Kriyashma. So we speak about Hamela, Hameraimam, Levadoi, Meaz, Hameshubach, Hamefoyer, Vahamisnase mi Mois Oilam. Literally, it means. He is exalted above the days of the world, like Divri Hayamim. So he explains, Pirish Yemais Oilam. What does it mean he's exalted above the days of the world? What are the days of the world? The Pasuk says, We say it in the Shabbos davening in the morning. Six days, Hashem created heaven and earth. On the seventh day, he rested. Asks the Zayar, The grammar seems to be off. It should have said, not Think about it in English. In six days, God made heaven and earth. Not six days, God made heaven and earth. In six days, over six days, he created the world. That's not what the Pasuk says. Pasuk says, six days he created the world. It's missing a base. Says the Zaya, that was the creation. The first thing God had to emanate or identify is that there are six days. Six midas. Chesed, Gvurit, Eferis, Netzachayd, Yisayd. And they are the building blocks from which the world is created. They are the source. Because Sunday was a reflection of Chesed and Monday Gvura and Tuesday Teferis and Wednesday Netzach and Thursday Friday and then Thursday Haid and then Friday is Yisoyed and then Shabbos is Malchus. So it's not God created the world during six days. Sheishis Yamimasa Hashem. The creation is all about the fact that He made six days, that, that God identified within His infinity six Midas. 
And these are the building blocks of the entire cosmos, of the entire universe, and all of the universes, spiritual and physical. And these six middas are the source of the creation of time, 6,000 years. That's why our sages say, the Gemara says, a day of Hashem is a thousand years. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Ki elef asma. Thousand years for you is like yesterday, like a day. God's day is a thousand years. What does this mean? Because there are six days of creation. Each day embodies one midah, and that's the source of the six millennia. The Gemara says in Rosh Hashanah, Shit al hava alma. The world continues for 6,000 years, and then Vechad Charuv, the seventh millennium, is a completely different type of reality. Bittl, transcendence, oneness, the seventh millennium, that's Shabbos. But during the six days, every thousand years is an expression of one day of creation. In fact, the Ramban and other Rishonim, Rabbeinu Bechayen, and works of Kabbalah and Machshava, they discuss how every creation of every single day parallels what would happen in history during that millennium. So Sunday represents the first thousand years. If you study well what happened on Friday, that's the sixth millennium. We are now in the sixth millennium. Five, seven, eight, one is the sixth millennium. We're getting closer to the seventh millennium in the year 6,000. It's Friday afternoon. Now it's Friday afternoon. Every day is a thousand years. The Ramban says this, Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar, other Rishayim say that every thousand years is divided in two. 500 years is the night, and the second 500 years is the day. So 5,000, the year 5,000, hey, I love him. That began Thursday night of creation. 5,500, Tafkuf, is Friday morning. 5,750, is Friday midday. You with me? Friday midday. Because if 500 years is 12 hours, 24 hours is 1,000 years. So 1,200, 12 hours represents 500 years. So 6 hours represents 250 years. So when did we hit Friday afternoon? Tov Shin Nun, 5,750. That's when we hit Friday afternoon. What happens in the house Friday afternoon? Rabbi Litzman is laughing. A lot of chaos, <laughs> right? The men are trying to taste the kugel and the women are trying to prepare for Shabbos. Friday afternoon is Lebedek. 5, 7, 50, Tav Shinnun. Friday afternoon. What's Tzemach Tzedek saying? All of this is a result of the six middas. The six middas are 6,000 years. In other words, the focus is his day is 1,000 years. It's a day. Because this represents the Midas. Hashem Himself is exalted above the days of the world. The days of the world are referring here to the six days which embody and they are the progenitors of the six millennia. And because they're, proge- they're the, proge- the progenitors of the six millennia, so when we say Hashem Himself transcends Time. Time only exists as a result of infinity articulating itself within structures that will allow for space and for time and ultimately for matter. Tzoyf, what's what we say in Davening? Tzoyf, tzoyf achas. He gazes and can look at all of the generations with one scan. 
Biskira achas. How can you do that? It's like you take a picture of something, you scan. Skira is a scan. And it scans everything, all the details. For us, 6,000 years is a long time. Hashem, because He transcends time, so Biskira achas, in one scan, He could see it all. Zel, that's what the Navi says. Yeshaya says, Berega katan azaftich, uberachman gudelam akapzech. For one moment I have left you, and with great compassion I will bring you back, I will gather you. What's the sequence in this Pasuk? For one moment I left you, but with great compassion I'm going to gather you. He said it's not two separate things, it's one message. When the great compassion will be revealed, then we'll see that all the days of Golas was just one fleeting moment. When you're inside of it, it's extremely long, and it seems never-ending. When you experience the Rachamim G'daylem, Akapzech, then the whole thing is redefined, it's reframed. And that which looked like a thousand years from one level is really only one day. We know today that time is relative, even in our own perceptions, right? If somebody's traveling with the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, the time passes in a completely different fashion. In other words, depends where you are, that's how fast or slow time is going. There can be two children, two infants who are born. One lives here on planet Earth, and the other one is taken by a spaceship far, far up. And 50 years later, one man is 50 years old, and the other one is just having his bris. And it's, this is reality. What happened? What happened? 50 years was a day. And this is pure science. This is pure physics. This is Einsteinian physics. Time is relative. You go into a deeper space of reality, everything changes. So a thousand years becomes one day. So he says, when you'll have the gili of Rachemim G'daylem, we'll be able to see that it was all a rega cotton from a higher perspective. Ube'emez, gamchin eskira achas, u even when we say that God perceives all of reality through one scan, that's also a definition of time. It's just, it won't take 6,000 years, it takes a day, it takes a moment. The truth is, Hashem Himself transcends any definition of time, even the slowest or the fastest time. So therefore, how does this all relate to our, what we're talking about? In Galos, when the Zoya says that Kuchabrichu ascends higher and higher, it transcends time. But when the king is not sleeping anymore, when the king is awake, he says, Ooh, bring the Sefer as a Chiroinus Divrei Hayamim. Now the Oyer is channeled into Caleb. It's not a state of Shina. In a state of Shina, in a sleep, the air is solik la'elo la'ela, so transcends kalim, so transcends yemois oilam, so transcends man. And because of that, down here below, there could be chaos, there could be confusion, there's a lack of awareness, 
and there's a lack of clarity, and that's Golos. When the king is not asleep anymore, he says, Lahavi Now what this teaches us is that there's also the opposite idea. The Gemara says that when the Gentiles came into the Hechel to destroy the Beis Hamikdash, they saw that the cherubs were intertwined with each other. Gemara in Yuman, on Dalit, Kruvim Urin Zebaza. The Kruvim were, were interconnected. And the Rishayna Maz, the Ritva asks, and others, it doesn't make sense because usually we say that when the Kruvim were looking at each other, it meant that the relationship between God and Israel was peaceful. And when the Kruvim turned away from each other, it meant that there was conflict. During the time of the destruction, it seems like it was the greatest conflict. And that's why then the Kruvim should have been drifting away from each other. But we say, no, Ma'urim Zebazah. They were actually experiencing a very deep connection and a relationship. What does that mean? So the Maggid of Mizrich famously said about this, something very powerful, that the Gemara says in Yevamah, Before a person goes on a journey, the night before he has to be together with his wife. Because he's leaving. So the Maggid says, when the Besamekdash was being destroyed, the husband was going on a long journey. Before that, you have to be together. That's why the cherubs were intertwined with each other. The Bnei Yisoscha quotes this from the Maggad of Mizrich. It's a famous teaching of the Maggad of Mizrich. The Rebbe once added in a Purim Maimer, Balayla Hu Nadada Tavshin Mem Dalad 84, which is based on this Maimer, and based on a Maimer, Balayla Hu Tavshin 1940, of his father-in-law, the first Maimer he said when he came to America, that this explains also what happens? Because when the couple is together, he impregnates her with a seed. So when Hashem was together with Knesset Yisrael during the time of the Churban, he impregnated us with the seed of Geula, the seed of Mashiach. And that seed develops over the nine months. It develops over the time of Golos, and Mashiach is the birth of that seed, which explains why Chazal tells us Mashiach was born on Tisha B'av. Because on Tisha B'av, the cherubs were intertwined with each other, and Klal Yisrael conceived the seed of the divine, the seed of Geula. Now what does this mean in this context? We can understand this, because when you're asleep, in many ways, the light is in a much higher space. And because the light is in a much higher space, therefore below, your consciousness is, is reduced. And there is confusion, but it's because the light really went up to a much deeper space, to a much higher place. But the way it's manifested in the world, it's manifested in the world as a time of darkness. So there's two things happening at the same time. In a deeper, higher space, there's deep intimacy, there's deep unity. But the way it's manifested down here is there's a reduced sense of consciousness. What's Gula? What's, what, what happens when the king wakes up now? The infinite energy is channeled within the finite structures of the person. So therefore, there is a concept, there's a concept of Gula. So in many ways, Golos has this very powerful thing because you go higher than Zman. And when you go higher than Zman and higher than structure, you're touching infinity. The problem is, Infinity is not manifested in vessels and structures. So down here, there could be a circus. There could be absolute chaos. That's what Golos says. And, and that's why Haman says, ooh, it's time to celebrate. Let's build a tree. Chamishim Amma. 
Balayla hu nada dashnas ha-melech vayoymer lohavi yasefer ha-zichroines divrei ha-yomim. Oyer is bekelim. The oyer has to come into the keli. The oyer comes into the keli. Divrei ha-yomim. This is the ikr hanes. This is the great miracle. What does this mean in a person's life? In a person's life, very, very briefly it means whenever we have an experience that's overwhelming, what happens? Our vessels can't contain it. In other words, we're being introduced to a higher light. What we call gullus, what we call, now this is sensitive stuff and we have to say this with a lot of compassion, what we call gullus, what we sometimes call trauma, what we call pain, is really introducing us to a higher light that we cannot deal with, we can't contain. And therefore we shut down. We go to sleep because I can't deal with it. What is healing? Healing is allowing that light to be integrated into your vessels, not being afraid of the light. And when you're not afraid of it, you integrate it into your life and that's what waking up really means. So throughout our lives, we experience things that are overwhelming. They transcend us and we go to sleep because I cannot deal with this. It's, there's too much resistance. It's too big. It's too powerful. And when, when it's too powerful, it can often spell out and be perceived as destruction because my vessels are being shut down because the light is too deep. It's higher than time. That's why Golos is the time that the Kruvim are together. The unity is very, very deep. It's the light of Gula, but it's above the vessels. And on a, in a tangible way, there's chaos, there's destruction. And that's why there's grief and there's pain. What is Gula? Gula is not being afraid of anything that's going on in me and realizing that I have the power to integrate it into myself. And then when I can do that, that very source of trauma becomes my greatest source of healing. If this is the case, now this is a very serious process. It comes with a lot of compassion and it comes with a lot of tears. And it comes with a lot of, uh, a lot of inner... It could come with a lot of... Uh, it, it needs a lot of inner work. But that's the truth of what waking up means. It's integrating the Ein Saif, into time, into space. So now the Tzamech Tzedek continues, there's a parenthesis here for a few lines, but let's go, let's skip the parenthesis and go to the word after the parenthesis. The line starts, okay, Now we come back to the question at the beginning of the Maimah. The question was, what's this idea of inebriating yourself? until you don't know the difference in cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. And he quoted the passage from Shir Hashirim, that your mouth is like delicious, good wine. It wakes up the lips of those who are asleep. And he said, what does that mean? Wine usually puts people to sleep. And that's how he got into the whole idea of Balayla, who nodded Ashnas HaMelech. Comes the Tzamech Tzedek and says, V'zeo inyan chayi now we can understand what it means that a person has to inebriate himself until he doesn't know. Pirish yadi lashen heker. Adela means till you don't recognize. No is like recognizing. 
והנה, למאי, למבחינס אשתל שלוס אשר שם צדקת מתיתן לו, אין ניקר בין הרמה לברך מרדכי. הפוסק says in איוב, אם צדקת מתיתן לו, רבו פשעיכם מתעשן לו. מה מיידך ייקח? Which means, even if you're righteous, what do you think you're going to be giving God? What are you going to give God? When you go above אשתל שלוס, there may not be a difference that's recognizable between cursed as Haman and blessed as Mardachai. Why? This is the explanation in the Medrash. The Medrash says, It's a fascinating Medrash. The Medrash says, it says God created the light and the darkness. Light represents the work of tzaddikim. the actions of the righteous. Darkness represents the actions of the wicked. The Medrash Rabbah says, and I don't know which one God wants. And then it says, God saw that the light is good and he separated the light from the darkness. Now I say he wants the actions of tzaddikim. What type of thought is this? We don't know what God wants? This is a Medrash Rabbah, Parashas Beresh in the beginning. If he wants my tzaddikim or my tzaddikim, come on. How can you say this? says the Tzemach Tzedek, because there is that level of divinity, of infinity, where it would seem it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You can't move him. You can't impress him. He doesn't need you. So who cares how a person behaves? What's the difference? Haman, Mardachai, it's all the same thing. Imagine, no borders, no religion, no structures, no countries, no right and wrong. That's what the Medrash says. Any day based on Manchafetz. Why are you defining God based on your limitations? That's a very, very serious idea. This means that there could be a space in reality where everything goes, where I don't know what he cares about. Does he care about this? Does he care about that? Because after all, if he transcends every definition, so does he transcend morality too? So nothing makes a difference. And do you think that what you do or what you don't do is going to have an impact? That's the thought process that can exist. So what has to happen? For this, a person needs to be inebriated. What does it mean you're inebriated? So the person in his own Avoida needs to go to that space. You see, Haman believes that if you get to a certain level, it doesn't make a difference between Haman and Marduk. No difference. All the differences happen from a much more limited perspective. But in the real core of reality, there's no distinctions. Light, darkness, light is not better than darkness. So therefore, darkness can prevail. All the structures that we're familiar with are very limited ways of describing reality. But in ultimate reality, there's no advantage of light over darkness, of tzaddikim over rishayim. That's what Purim, that's what he wanted to do with his tree of 50 Amas. That's what happens when the king is asleep. So what's the Avaidah of Purim? Chaya vinish l'besume b'purya adalayad. I have to be able to go to that space 
where there's no difference. Adalayada. What does it mean I go to that space? What does it mean I go to that space? How do I go to that space? So he says, I have to become inebriated. What does it mean I become inebriated? He says, there's two ways of serving God. One is almanas lekabel pras. I want to be rewarded. I want to have fulfillment. I want to do things for my own sake. And then there's v'imcha loy I don't want anything besides you yourself. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Who do I have in heaven? And with you I desire nothing on earth. So the Alter Rebbe used to say, There's nothing else I desire beside you. Not even the prize, the pras, pras is a prize, that I'm going to get as a result of serving you. This is Adalayada. That the person goes from a place in which I'm defined by my own structure to complete intimacy with the source. Purim, the miracle happened on that level because Haman threw a lot. Why do we call Purim Purim? Purim means lots, girls. Why is that important to the story? So he threw a lot. Who cares? What's a lot? What's a girl? A girl seems random. When you make a gairel and somebody wins, there's no purpose. Why did you win? It's a ridiculous question. It's called luck. That's what gairel is. You won the lottery. Why did you win the lottery? It's logical. You deserved it. It's called blind luck. That's what gairel is. Why is Haman throwing a gairel? Because Haman wants to go into that space where nothing matters, where it's sheer luck. There's no distinctions. You win, I win, it's all a girl. Haman wants to go to that place in reality where structure doesn't make any more sense than chaos. And life doesn't make any more sense than death. And morality doesn't make any more sense than, barbar- than barbarism. And kindness doesn't make any more sense than cruelty. And all the boundaries of right and wrong and good and bad and light and darkness would become irrelevant. That's the place that Haman feels he can rule, he can dominate. And he says, if God is really infinite and God is really perfect, you think he needs you? You think you can accomplish something? You think what you do or doesn't, don't do matters? Who do you think you are? You're so arrogant. That's where the drama of Purim was happening. The drama of Purim was happening on the level of sleep, where the light ascends from the vessels retreats back to infinity, and then this world can become a chaotic place. Because the king is sleeping, and when the king is sleeping, you can do whatever you want. So the avoid of Purim is chayev in it, just like the king woke up and brought it into Divri Hayamim, the avoid of Purim is I become inebriated, meaning my avoid is Hashem, reaches that place, where I go out of my own vessels, I go out of my own structures. What does it mean I go out of my own structures? I have to open myself up to the infinite light beyond the Caleb, because that's where Haman wants to reach. That's where Mordechai has to reach. Haman wants to destroy structure, you also have to destroy structure, but in a positive sense. What does it mean to destroy structure? Get out of your head. Get out of your own structures. Ask not what God can do for you, ask what you can do for God. Ask not what your wife can do for you. Ask what you can do for your wife. Ask not what the Jewish people can do for you, what the world can do for you. Ask what you can do for the world. 
Ask not what I need. Allow myself to open myself up to transcendence, to infinity. That's Adlayada. Purim is throwing lots. Haman wants to throw lots. He wants randomness. He celebrates randomness. Alderichim takbiya kanesha. He rises like an eagle. And from there he was brought down. How? The light of Saiviv, the light of transcendence, was channeled into Kalim, into vessels, into Mamalakalaman. And over there he wants the Maisa Hatzadikim. Over there it makes a very big difference what a person does. But in order to be able to channel it, Back into Bamalakalalman, I have to go to that space of Adalayad bin Arahamalabarakhmardakai. That's how we go back to the beginning that good wine wakes up the lips. It triggers, it arouses the lips of those who are asleep. It was at night when he couldn't sleep. The expression is Blalaila Hahu. That night, Balaila is dark. It's night. Hahu is also concealment. Because in Hebrew, who, you always say about third person when somebody is not here. Who, Lashanister. Who means he's concealed. He or she. When you're right in front of me, I don't say who, I say Atta, you. Second person is Atta. Who is always third person. Balayla who who is Helam? When Rachel gets the mandrakes from Leah, Rachel says, "You give me the mandrakes, and therefore Yaakov will sleep with you." What's who? Because Leah Almedes Kasia. Rachel was giving up Yaakov to Leah that night, and Leah is the world of concealment. Rachel is the world of revelation. If you remember the Maimarim, we learned about Rachel and Leah. Leah is the hidden world. Leah is the world of Adalayada. Nobody knows Leah. Rachel is the Amadis Gaia, the revealed world. Who's Leah's Shidduch? Esav. Esav is Haman's grandfather. Leah is somehow connected to Esav. Rachel is supposed to marry Yaakov. Rachel now gives Yaakov back to Leah. She says, Yachen yishkavimcha ha'alaylahu. Leah is almadis kasya. Ula asid lavay, when a Mashiach comes, the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, v'amar bayoy mahu, hine elekeinu zeh, kivinu loy v'yashenu zeh Hashem, kivinu loy nagilu v'nizmcha b'shawasai. On that day, bayoy mahu, on that day, it will be said, hine elekeinu zeh. In other words, what is Gula? You take the who and you bring it into Zeh. You don't want to let go of the who. The who is actually the secret of infinity. The who is that which transcends you. But when it stays up there in who, down here there could be chaos. And that's exactly what trauma is. I was accessed. All pain is that. I have access to a very deep light and I can't make peace with it. And therefore it breaks down the system. You need the who to come into the zeh. But Purim gamkin nimshech ha-moichin mehelem debchin is layla hu elagilui. On Purim, the moichin, the awareness from a state of concealment, of layla ha-hu, that night it came out in a revealed way, liyos me'irim bezoha nikra melech. 
to be able to shine within the structures of the Midas, known as the Eirampim, which is also called Melech. Wine is that which you bring out from the depth of the grapes and you reveal it. The wine is embedded in the grape. You squeeze the grape, the wine comes out. People drink wine, the Gemara says in Meseches Erevin, Nichnes Yayin, Yotzah When you drink wine, secrets come out. In fact, Yayin and Soid have the same numerical value, 70. So when you bring in the wine, the secrets come out. Wine causes revelation. And that's why they used to do wine libations when the Levim would sing in the Beis HaMikdash every morning. It says in Parshas Kairach, the Levi will serve in the Beis Hamidosh. The word who is completely, apparently superfluous and unnecessary. What does it mean? V'avad ha-Levi hu? The Levi will serve him. So he says, Laham hu The Levi refers to Almadiskasya, the concealed world. Kayan is chesed, Levi is gvura. The Levi ascends, that's why the Levi sings. Song is ascent, as we learned in the Maimra of Bishalach and Torah Ur. The Levi has access to who and takes the who and brings it out to revelation. That's the idea that the light, the wine, allows the lips of those who are asleep to begin talking, to begin communicating. That's the chay of inish, that the wine of Purim helps us wake up from our sleep. That's what the Maril says, Balayla Huna, that they have to raise your voice. So Rabbi Siyan asked, what does raising your voice have to do with anything? But that's the idea of Daiviv Sifsa Yeshanam. When you're asleep, you usually don't communicate. You're awake, you can raise your voice. So the wine is Daiviv Sifsa Yeshanam. It arouses and it triggers the lips of those who are asleep. There should be Balayla who nodded Ashnasa Melech, so it's expressed that now we raise our voices. And that's why Purim, there's a mitzvah to drink wine in order to reveal the state of the I think we learned it explains that the joy of the soul and godliness, the joy of the soul in Alakus is called Yayin HaMesameach. The wine that is Mesameach. It brings out Simcha. It brings out the inner secrets. So it allows the Adelayyada Ben Ur Haman Lebaruch Mardachai to come out in a revealed way. And when it comes out in a revealed way, then Haman is defeated. Evil is defeated. And goodness, goodness prevails. That's why the Maril says... That from Balaylo and Adashasamelech, you raise your voice. That's the Iker Hanes. The Iker Hanes is the waking up. When I wake up, everything changes. When a person is asleep, we all know I'm not alert. I'm not fully aware of what's happening. I'm living in a compromised space. When I'm awake, you're completely in touch. You're completely in touch with yourself and with your truth. It says in Parshas Vayechi, Oisri la gefen iroi, v'lasereka b'niya sayin. Oisri la gefen iroi is part of the blessings of Yaakov to Yehuda, where he speaks about the fact that he's going to tie his donkey 
to the vine because there's going to be so many grapes that one donkey will be filled with clusters of grapes because there'll be so many clusters. So in that Maimer in Parshas Vayechi in Er, the Balatani explains at length about Yayin. There's another few lines here. It's, it's a lot of Kabbalistic references, so if you want, you could learn it yourself. But this basically concludes the main theme, the main thrust of this Maimer of the Tzamech Tzedek, of Balayla, of Chayev Inishlub, Sumabapurya, Adalayada, Benarar Hamalabarach Mardacha. What did you want to take out of it? Yeah, you said it's incredible, so I'm asking you. Right, what it means, yeah. So in, in all of our lives, to explain what you're saying, in all of our lives, we can walk around like zombies. We walk around sleep. What does it mean I walk around sleeping? I'm awake, I'm doing everything. But I'm like a zombie, I'm a robot, I'm asleep. There's no passion, there's no life. I resign. Rabbi, Rabbi Jacobson, I, was, I, I work in, in chaplaincy in Manchester, the university there, and I was giving out some forum uh, stuff to students, and there's a student, that she, a, a girl, and she keeps on telling, she, every, a few, three, four times she's mentioned to me that she suffers from chronic fatigue. But I plucked up the courage, I didn't say anything, I just empathized, and I plucked up the courage to say to her that um, I, I don't understand. Every time I meet you, you you're so full of chayas, you seem to be so alive. She's a Shemer Shabbat. She's a from girl. I, I didn't understand what she was saying. She suffers from chronic fatigue. I couldn't see any signals at all. And she used one word, one word, which is very related to Purim. She said, masking. It's masking. It's all masking. So what goes on in our inner world is... Wow. I was a blow... For a person who I, I yeah. think I, I, I can see people on yeah. a level, I totally was... That's very powerful. So she told you she suffers from chronic fatigue and all the life that she displays is a mask. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now my only question to you is why don't we see her at this shear? This is where she belongs. I'll share the link. <laughs> of course. This is where she belongs. Because what happens? We, we go to sleep not because we're lazy. We go to sleep not because we uh, just are not interested in anything. We go to sleep because there's resistance. <laughs> you understand? We want to save our energy. It's like the trees in the winter. They hibernate because they don't have energy to produce leaves, to do photosynthesis. The little energy they have, they have to keep to themselves, so they go into hibernation. Why do the beers go into hibernation? They're not eating every day during the winter. It's a very, very takes a lot of energy to live, and you don't have it. Is so, why teenagers go to, uh, like to of course, that's why teenagers love to sleep. That's Their the energy is from a place of chaos, and in the, in the structure of reality, they know they can't achieve anything. So forget it. Yeah. There's chaos happening in my mind. If I live a structured life. All I'll experience is the pain of the chaos. There's no way of integrating it. You go to sleep. In many ways, sleep is the release of higher states of consciousness that I can't deal with. And what happens in my revealed life? In my revealed life, I may be awake, but I'm asleep. I'm resigned. It's just too much energy to integrate. So, you know, I live more on a superficial level. I do what I have to do. But my inner world is in turmoil. There's a lot of anxiety. 
What was the miracle of Purim? He woke up. The king wakes up. But it's not that he woke up because he wasn't sleeping anymore. Really waking up is integrating everything you experience during your sleep into your conscious self. That's what it is. It's, 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 it's bringing together those two states of consciousness. Bringing that in. Well, Haman... Yeah. And when you can integrate... When you can integrate, then that changes everything. Because what that means is that the person can actually, instead of being afraid of their inner light, they actually make peace with their inner light. I don't have to run away from my reality. I can actually integrate it. Is there a connection between the Maimer of the Tzamech Tzadik, where he says first is Tzimtzum, and therein is light, to the other Maimer of the Tzamech Tzadik that we learned about the sheep and the goats, explaining the teaching of the Magid, about the king and the queen. It seems there that there's two Avaidas that are equal. There's two possible paths in Avaidas Hashem. There's the goat and there's the sheep. Esav and Yaakov. There's dealing with light and dealing with darkness. But here we see, no, there's first darkness and then there's light and you want to defeat the darkness. Well, you're asking the deep questions here just to summarize it very briefly. And that is, yeah, the goats represent the void of Esav. And when there is darkness, the tzimtzum, that's where Haman wants to shine. But from the darkness, you have to create light and then take the darkness and transform it into life, light. And that's what Adelayada is. And then ultimately you learn that whichever Avoida you're in, Ar Haman or Baruch Mardechai, you can make peace between both of them because the darkness is really here only to be transformed. So you reach a place where Adelayada ben Ar Haman Baruch Mardechai, you absolutely don't know the difference anymore. Because you transform Arar Haman into Baruch Mardechai. You spoke about 50. Is that why 50 is the number of Jubilee, Yoivel? Yeah, yeah. Haman builds gallows of 50 Amas. Did he really have in mind the 50th level? Or that's the Hashgacha? Well, it could be it was in his own subconscious, his own 50th level. Yeah. Um, is that possibly why, I, it's funny, whenever I quote the saying, especially on Purim, I, I end up saying, which would have been more, you would have thought, you would have said it like that, because that's the ultimate confusion, but maybe it says it the way it does, because ultimately we need to bring the, as we said, to be mayor, the Soviet, back down into, into where, we can't stay there, we've got to make sure we come back to the conclusion, Hashem, Chofetz, Maise, Sadiqim. Is that the reason it's written that way? I think, of course. Next question. From our perception, there is good, and there is the opposite of good. But if God is all, and God is only good, so then maybe the truth is that there is revealed good and unrevealed good. We say there's good, 
and there's the opposite. But if God is all and God is only good, so everything is good. The difference is how revealed it is. The unrevealed good is good hidden by a husk of seemingly negative things. We know things seem bad, but sometimes they turn out to be good. Does Adelayada mean that you can't tell the difference between the good of Mardachai and the bad of Haman? You reach a level where the apparent good and the hidden good are both the same. That's a very, very beautiful interpretation. It's brought in Chesidus, that interpretation. And it's really connected to what we're saying. In other words, you're reaching that space where Haman seems to be as powerful as Mardachai. And that's why there's no difference. And that's where Haman wants to receive his nurture from. And that's where the light is touching the place of infinity. And infinity can create chaos. In other words, it can create a world of Haman. Psychologically, infinity can create a tremendous amount of inner confusion. And on Purim, I touch that space because I know that I can integrate it. I don't have to be afraid. You see, we are afraid of our chaos. Listen to Bezreel. We're afraid of our chaos. We don't want to deal with it, so we go to sleep. You understand? What is healing? Healing is you don't have to run away. You could stay there. You could integrate your infinity. We don't want to go there because that's a place where we feel that Haman takes over. (laughs) And why does Haman take over there? Because I'm not in control. It's very scary. It's overwhelming. What this Maimah teaches you is that you don't have to go to sleep. You can integrate it. So we each have very, very deep energies. And they often come out in life in deep challenges and deep things that we're dealing with. How do you deal with that? So either you become like a robot or a zombie, or you become angry or upset, or you go into a depression, or you just go to sleep. And you cut yourself off from that level of reality. You don't want to deal with it. So you just go to work every day, you know, you pay the bills and you eat some kugel and you eat hamantash and all is good. The real, the gift is not to be afraid of any part in you and to know that ultimately everything can be channeled into your life and you can hold on to it, you could contain it. And the reason you could contain it is because it belongs to you. This is, this, is, this is part of your essence. This is part of your mission. You could wake up. And you, when you wake up, you walk around not like a zombie. You're fully involved in life. You're passionate about life. You suck the marrow out of life. You live life to the fullest. You dance till the end of love. You don't have to go to sleep. You don't have to be afraid of Haman. We're all afraid of Haman. Stop being afraid of Haman. Don't be afraid. I'm talking about your own Haman. Stop being afraid of your own Haman. We're frightened of it. We're frightened. Because Haman spells absolute chaos. So what do we do? Either we go there, or we numb our pain, right? Which is also a form of sleep. Or we end up in that chaos. That's what happens to other people. You know, we look at people who are, are doing stupid things and we right away judge them. They don't know how to deal with themselves. They, ha- they have absolutely no idea how to deal with themselves. 
Tell me what to do with me. Tell me. Tell me what to do with me. I don't know what to do with me. And when I don't know what to do with me, it's very, very hard. So I do stupid things to numb the pain, to escape this. Or I go to sleep, as you say. Teenagers love going to sleep. I also like sometimes going to sleep. Especially when I'm tired. (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) You know, um, most people, you know, life gets tough and we look forward to go to sleep. Like, we look forward to sleep, we look forward to vacations. We look forward because these are places where we can just, you know, hopefully run away. What would life be like if there was no sleep? What would life be like if there was no vacation? It was just, you had to fully live. (laughs) This is it. There's always that sleep where we... We go, into, we go into a different space. But God made it that way. That we, we go to sleep. And sleep, in a way, releases different energies. It releases higher states of consciousness. And that's why dreams are sometimes very, very contradictory. Golos is compared to a dream. In And in dreams, nothing makes sense. In many ways, it's horrible. In many ways, that's where truth is. <laughs> that's where truth is. Nothing makes sense. Can I integrate that? Can I wake up with that? That's the key. That's Chayavinish Lebesuma Bepuri Adelayad Ben Araham Lebarach Mardechai. This class is brought to you by the Yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.